Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, White Sox um, people. I'm not going to call you fans right now. It's pretty depressing. This is the Mothership Podcast number like 121 or something. And I am not Brett Valentini. I am Crystal O'Keefe uh, taking over for a pirate radio podcast about the Sox being uh, dead. Um, on our show today, we have some lovely Southside Sox writers. We have Jordan we have Dante, we have Joe, and we have Allie, and obviously myself. So let's just get into this. We're going to start off with one positive thing before we get into this funeral. Um, this is kind of like when you talk about the deceased and what your favorite memory of them was. So whoever wants to start, what was your favorite memory? It could be a game, it could be a trade, it could be whatever what was your favorite memory this season don't all speak at once i'll go um i'll go first um the three initials are dfa <laughs> as in when we dfa dallas keiko oh that, it just it warms the heart to see him go and like it's not the most positive thing you know we always go with the line of we don't want to see people get fired but good lord, was he bad vibes for the clubhouse? And our leader, being, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the culture of Dallas Keiko. And then he went and he's gone through what two teams now? Two more teams? Yeah. Great times, great times for Mr. Keiko. But hey, keep your side young and your championship ring. At least you got that. He's got a hot wife too. He ruined my birthday. So <laughs> thankfully he got DFA after that game. So Oh, I guess I'll go positive, too. I'll go my positive since I'm already talking. Um, it's got to be uh, the eight and two-thirds of a cease no-hitter that I almost saw. Well, not almost saw. I saw eight and two-thirds of an almost no-hitter. So that was fun. Probably never going to get anywhere near close to that again. But that was good. Okay. I... um. <clears throat> I would piggyback off of that, Jordan, um, you know, 25th birthday, one hitter. But I think, like, if we're not going to repeat, um, walking off the Yankees, I was at that game uh, when we walked off the Yankees at home this season. And then I was at the game that we won against the Dodgers. Um, and A.J. Pollock, I believe, hit the go-ahead run in to take the lead. So those are both really exciting games and really fun to be at. 
for sure. Um, I would go with the doubleheader in the Bronx back in May, May 22nd, um, which the incredibly, despite the Yankees' super talented roster and their flaming hot start that they got off to, um, the White Sox swept that doubleheader, um, and that was capped off by a Tim Anderson home run, and that was very shortly after the whole nonsense um, from from Josh Donaldson that was, um, at that point, very recent. Um, so it was really nice to go into Yankee Stadium and um, and win those games. Um, that that was that got them at the time above 500 at 21 and 20. But they were, you know, again, <laughs> even at that point, at my favorite moment in the season, they were still hugging the 500 mark, and not much has changed since then. Yeah. Well, I will say mine is probably just bringing Johnny Cueto in. He has been powerful he's been a workhorse he's been amazing like I think of that Lady Gaga meme of like incredible talented superstar uh so yeah mine's mine's definitely Johnny Cueto but on to the sad portion of the rest of this however long podcast the White Sox have been eliminated uh the Guardians are now the division champs and their account tweeted out the uh, reference to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air tweet with two of their players, and it says something about just moving into the new digs. So thoughts on this elimination, the Guardians tweeting that, everything in between, or just how the NBC Chicago ruined the season for us. We deserved every single part of that tweet. Um, I will be the first to say I was talking mad crap when we got off to that six and two start. Like I was ready to run away with the AL Central and like just the way things have turned out, we, we deserved every bit of that tweet. And also NBC Sports Chicago deserved all of the shade that they have gotten because yeah, that just, it felt like a bad omen and people were calling it out as a bad omen when it was tweeted. And I guess I just didn't realize the weight of how bad that omen was going to be until, you know, we're here now on September 25th. So I will say what's also great is the fact that like NBC Chicago deleted the tweet and that makes them cowards. <laughs> like take the smoke. You like, if you talk trash, you got to be able to also accept the fact that people talk trash back especially when you underachieve as much as the White Sox did this season. Absolutely. I I can't um, have any sort of negative judgment toward the Guardians social media team um, for for the shade that they threw. I mean, yeah, they they absolutely are. They they absolutely were the better team, the more deserving team. they were not supposed to be good this year, but they really maximized on their potential. They went on a really nice run late. Um, and despite having a lot of rookies and uh, with that, a very low payroll, I mean, they are now boasting a pretty solid record. And um, it's their record is like good enough now to the point where it's not even like they they stumbled into a division title with 84 wins, um, you know, with an 84 and 78 record, like they actually are now having a pretty solid season. Um, And um, their organization is, um, yeah, they, they did a great job this year with um, maximizing the potential of that team. Um, The White Sox organization made a ton of mistakes, um, (laughs) which, you know, will, get into um later but i mean um yeah so many unforced errors that the white Sox walked into and um yeah it's not fun to be on on this side of it but yeah the props to the guardians and um yeah i, I don't mind the, the trash talk at all <laughs> i had them finishing third for what it's worth in this division so good on them i guess i think it was just because they changed their racist name and then they got some like karma points that has to be what it oh here's Zach. Let's you know, at least out. it wasn't the twins. Because <laughs> the twin I would have been real bad. I would have been real mad if that was the twins. 
But the Guardians, I'm like, they put up a fight. They they beat us real fair and square. And you know what? They they deserve it. They deserve to dunk all over us. Yeah. We will welcome Zach now, but we're also just going to jump on to the next subject because we're not going to re-explain all of this. When did you know this season was over? Oh, man. There were, like, five, maybe six different points where, like, I knew and then I managed to convince myself that it wasn't that. Um, You know, when they went on that six or seven game losing streak back in April, you kind of had that, like, oh, no moment. This team might not be the powerhouse that we thought they were going to be. It took them a couple months to start to level out. And... I, I I really have to pinpoint that Arizona series, if you ask me. That was that was the moment where we went into that homestand with a little bit of momentum, thinking that okay, uh, you know they make this is when they make their move. You know Minnesota is struggling. Cleveland doesn't have the easiest schedule, and we have you know a bunch of head to head with Cleveland coming up in September. Now is the time to hit the gas. You get swept by Arizona. You lose two or three or three or four to Oakland or whatever, um, and. After that, it just seemed like to me that there was never a chance that they were going to step up even when given the opportunity. That was kind of the last, the last of many chances to show themselves to be something other than what they were at the end of the day. I will ask Zach, since you are here, do you have a best memory from this season? This was our first question. (laughs) If you say that it was the game you attended with me, then that's also acceptable. I mean, that would be top five. I'll put that top five. Um, there weren't that many highs. I saw a lot of losses this year. I gotta say, I gotta say, you know, Elvis night was a lot of fun. The the burlesque dancers on the field and the fireworks show was always a good time. Uh, in spite of being one of those aforementioned losses to the Diamondbacks, so uh, I'll throw that one out there. Okay. All right, others. When did you know this season was over? I think I was in a similar situation with regards to having a few moments during the season where I kind of told myself, yeah, this is not working out. But then they went on a little bit of a streak and I convinced myself like, okay, well, maybe if they continue this up for a little bit longer, they could have a chance. But um, I'll go with the the last time that I I said, okay, yeah, this isn't going to work out, which was um, the game, the home game Wednesday, September 21st against Cleveland. where Cleveland um, crushed them eight to two. That was the game when Tristan McKenzie was pitching against Lance Lynn. Um, um, that dropped the White Sox to six games behind. And that was the second game in that three game series. Um, we went into that series um, kind of with the mindset of the White Sox really do have to sweep this series to have a decent chance of making the playoffs and the sweep would would have won them the tiebreaker over the guardians. Um, whereas anything else would have lost the tiebreaker um, with them. Um, although like a two out of three, like would have kept a little bit of a glimmer of hope alive um, in that series. But when they lost that second game, um, that's when I, I knew, okay, yeah, this isn't going to work out. Like they would need a few miracles now. Um, to to come back was kind of what I thought after that Wednesday game. Uh, definitely, again, everyone's had multiple times. It was first that that Arizona series where they got swept, and I was like, "Can we just lose forty straight games?" And then we didn't, and gave us hope because then we won like eight in a row. Because that's when Tony left, and everything got better, and then also then got worse later, but, you know, that, that little bit where we had hope it was fine. But uh, that, and then, like, when we were winning series, like, two or three games, and then Cleveland was sweeping the Twins, I was like, yeah, we've got no fucking chance. <laughs> there's there's no way. As like, we, we kept, when Cleveland played five games against the Twins and won, and lost one of them, I was like, yeah, there's no chance, like, I said it on the last pod I was on. It was like they're gonna Cleveland's gonna win Monday, and then they were gonna get swept all this week, and then we were gonna sweep them, which we didn't. We got swept, but even if we did sweep them, I'm like we're gonna lose the division by a game, and we're gonna lose it by ten, probably more than ten, because 
karma. I want to give, before we go anywhere else, a quick special shout out to the Minnesota Twins, though. As as special as we are as a franchise in our just general shame, the Minnesota Twins are just disgraceful in terms of folding under any tiny little bit of pressure that is ever applied to them in the heat of a playoff race for 20 plus years, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's Cleveland, the difference, they actually try. At least we have a terrible owner. We can blame stuff on. They got no excuse. They just suck. Yeah. Um, I think I thought the world was ending when we lost those eight games in a row after our six and two start. Um, that was the first moment, like other people have said that I, I was like, this might not end the way that I thought it was going to end. Um, but I think Tuesday's game was when it really sunk in that we were not, it, it was not going to happen. I did not need Wednesday's loss to confirm anything to me. Um, the wind was taken out of my sails on Tuesday night after that extra innings loss. Um, I also think that, you know, to put it in perspective too, like Cleveland let us hang around after we got swept by the diamondbacks like they lost 12 of 15 during that stretch which allowed us to just be average and that is what like let let me cling because i was like if they're going to be 12 and 15 and not have starting pitching then surely like maybe we can pull this out of our asses but you know then you they get hot and we get hot but somehow they're hotter just it was never going to work out no matter which way you which way you crunch the numbers yeah, I was the one that gave up in June. Like, I was just done. Like, those the Yankees game. It was a late, it was a May or June, but it was a Yankees game where um, I had to leave early family emergency and all that stuff. And the vibes were just off. Like, Giancarlo and Aaron Judge were, like, just hitting home runs on us. Not the most fun night. And then, like, like you said, we had these little peaks and valleys where, like, you think, oh, they might. Oh, no, they won't. No, they might. Nope, nope, yep, yep, nope, nope, yep, yep. And eventually, like, the Diamondbacks series just finished it for me because it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Before the series, I said, the most irrelevant team in all of baseball, and then they went on to sweep us. So maybe I'm a little bit of a jinx like NBC Sports Chicago. I don't think so. Uh, we've got one more that I'm going to do before the break, and I think we'll come back to this one topic. Since we've already kind of addressed it, what was the most painful sweep this season for you? It it was this week. It was Cleveland. I I have I have no other thoughts on that one. <laughs> I actually, I actually think it's today. Like the Cleveland sweep was bad because it was like, oh, we're not going to win the division, and it's like, oh, we might have that hold out some very tiny hope that like the Rays fall out because I'm not going to wish any bad luck on Seattle. If we had, we had some luck that the Rays could like shit the bed a little bit, and then they, and then, and then we might take you know a little third wild card spot, and it's like, no, we're going to get our asses kicked by the tigers at home like i was like all prepared to be like okay they're gonna come back a little angry and they're gonna beat the tigers and they're gonna keep us in it keep us in it for a little bit longer and then it's like no they're just gonna get their asses handed to them and not have a fun time yeah i was also gonna go tigers because ooh, like the thing is, like, the Diamondbacks one, for example, we're better. Like, we should, in theory, be better than the Diamondbacks, but we weren't. And I was like, okay, I could kind of deal with that because, like, young team, NL team, you don't see them too often. Nah, you got swept by Detroit at the end of the year when, like, you had your last shot. Detroit, the team that, for the most part, you've been better than this year. Like, that's who, like, like just puts the final nail in the coffin for you. And they'd been eliminated for like almost two weeks at that point too. <laughs> sure, there are there are a lot of good options for this question, and it's unfortunate to to say that. Um, yeah, I'll I'll pick a, a different answer. I, I as soon as this question was asked, I was 
Um, yeah, I was, Cleveland. The Cleveland series earlier this week was what came to mind first. Um, I, I will give a, a case for another series. Um, I'll go with the one against Arizona. Um, um, late August this year. Um, it was coming on the heels of that. Um, just heartbreaker in Baltimore where Adam Engel came in the game late. Um, to do one thing, which was to be a defensive upgrade in left field. And then with two outs in the ninth, um, he dropped the fly ball in foul territory. Orioles go on to hit a home run and then win in extra innings. Um, that was the game right before that home series against Arizona. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, well, we're, that was a terrible, you know, just heartbreaking way to, to lose a, a game. But, you know, we'll, we'll be back home. We'll be against um the 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 diamondbacks you know they're an inferior opponent we should be able to get back on our feet um you know with with this series and uh, i mean the first two games of that series weren't even close like uh, the diamondbacks just completely beat the brakes off of them and then um the final game of that series was three to two so that one they at least put up a fight in that game um but I mean, yeah, another um, kind of memory that I have of, of that final game, though, that the only one that they really even had a chance of winning um, was in the bottom of the ninth, they were down by one. They had first and second, um, one out. And I couldn't believe it when um, Leori Garcia came in and pinch hit for Sebi Zavala. Um, and it went about as you would expect. Garcia struck out, and then Romy Gonzalez struck out to end the game. Um, and obviously, this shouldn't be a driver for like high leverage situations, but uh, that was also Zavala's birthday. And I was like, really, you're going to pull him in this situation on his birthday? Um, so, so, yeah, um, that, that was a very, very memorable series in a bad way as well. Yeah, for I'll I'll try to avoid getting repetitive here. And this is kind of a lie, but also not really, because by the time we got to these series later in the year, I was already so jaded and angry and just full of hate at this White Sox team that I almost, you know, expected half of these results. You know, when they go down to Detroit and Cleveland in these series the last few weeks, you get a, oh, here we go again type thing. So I want to take it all the way back to like, Again, the second the second week of the year, I think it was like the first road trip of the year they went on when they went and got swept back to back by Cleveland and I think Minnesota. Um, the first game of which I think was that ridiculous like eighteen bajillion error, you know, festival of shame that fortunately I guess hastened Keuchel's departure from the South Side. But uh, that was kind of a moment where. You know, they had a pretty solid first homestand. What we were, they were like, what, six and two, six and three or something like that heading into that first road trip. They hadn't been playing great. A lot of balls dying at the warning track, you know, a lot of close games. Uh, and then we got there and the defense fell apart and it turned out that Keuchel was exactly as washed as we thought he was. Um, and the injuries started piling up pretty shortly thereafter. And by the time we got to the end of that road trip, it was there were like, what, six and seven or six and eight. It wasn't the end of the world. But at least for me, that was like a real, oh, shit, they're not they're not going to run away with this because you're already starting to get confirmation that a lot of the flaws and a lot of the issues that we had spent all offseason yelling and screaming, screaming about were already manifesting themselves. So I think, you know, it's hard to say that that was like the worst one of the year because it was day 13 or whatever. Uh, but in retrospect, that really should have been, I mean, that was a real, oh shit, this is really not going, <laughs> not going the way we planned. This should not be happening. SOS, SOS. All right. Um, I would, I don't know. I, I think this Tigers one this last week was probably my most painful one that, especially because I just watched them play in Detroit against the Tigers, you know, the week before. And they came back, but barely. I mean, the game I was at, it was still a very low scoring game. And then the next game, the White Sox kind of blew them out of the water. So to see them come back this week and just get swept was was heartbreaking. So we're going to take a very quick moment, um, an ad break, so that we can get paid here at Southside Sox. So, uh, you know, see you in a minute. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And that minute's up. Uh, Welcome back. This is the White Sox Funeral Podcast with me, your host, Crystal O'Keefe. We have Jordan, we have Dante, we have Joe, we have Allie, and we have Zach. And uh, now we're going to dig into some more questions. First, it was, you know, announced recently that Tony will not be back for the rest of the season. And the Bob Nightingale article talked about some, you know, front office drama. Is Tony going to come back? Is he going to retire? Is Miguel going to take over? But let's just, we talked about this a lot in Slack earlier as a group about who we would prefer to have a manager. I said, I need some young blood. Um, I don't even care at this point. I just want someone under the age of, I don't know, like 50. Um, so Roundtable, who is your ideal manager? Say Tony and Miguel are both out of the picture next season. So unfortunately, my pick isn't under the age of 50, but he's never been a match of more than like a slight part of a season, which is... Mr. Sandy Alomar Jr. of the Cleveland Guardians. Because let's face facts, let's do the KD thing, but in reverse. If you can't beat instead of if you can't beat them, join them. How about if you can't if you beat them, come make us better? Because why not at this point? Whoever gets rid of Tony is great because I just want to throw him out of a window onto a soft landing spot, but just something that makes it so he never returns to the White Sox. So, Sandy Alomar Jr. is my choice for now, at least. I got to go dig up some more research and see who else is out there. Yeah, I don't know how many, if, like, the managerial carousel has started heating up for this offseason yet. I could name, like, a million zillion third-base coaches who are kind of generic, and I don't really know anything about them until they get hired. So... Uh, you know what would be fun? And speaking of if you can't beat him, join him. Let's go and take Cleveland's bench coach, DeMarlo Hale, who is a longtime coaching veteran and also a graduate of Chicago Vocational High School. So though he is not under the age of 60, uh, he's – or 50, excuse me. He's a Chicago dude. He knows his stuff. He's been working under Terry Francona for a long time. He's been considered for numerous managerial openings in the past – my memory serves. Um, I have no reason why he would be a better or worse managerial candidate than any of the other names we might be able to throw out here. So uh, that's, that's going to be my pick for right now. (laughs) I love both of those ideas. We all know that there's never actually going to be a managerial search. Um, So I really, I really think um, if it's not Tony or Miguel, it's going to be someone that's already there. I know Ethan Katz was thrown around today in the slack. Um, I don't hate the idea. Obviously his thing is pitching, but I, uh, I think that's my vote with the minimal knowledge that I have outside of like who is eligible, who would be eligible to manage, you know, within the baseball world. So yeah, his pen can get an upgrade. He's going to have like five colors instead of three. Um, my, my one choice was Sandy Elmer Jr. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I mean, I mean, Don Mattingly became available today, but he's not under the age of 60. Uh, I wouldn't want Girardi or, I don't think Girardi or, um, who got fired from the Angels so long Joe ago. Madden. Yeah, I wouldn't want Joe Madden at all, but you know, Joe Girardi might be fine. He's not under the age of 60, I don't think, but any, anything, anything's better than Tony and probably also better than, than Miguel. As much as Miguel's been cool, he's like, he's only, he's only like half a rung above Tony, but that half a rung is so, so big that it's like to go three and a half feet is, is like going 
three miles when you're climbing that ladder of being above uh, above Tony Larusa in this hierarchy. So I'll take anyone, uh, someone who's managed before and not necessarily super involved with this team previously. So you know, let's go, Joe Girardi. Yeah. Um. I, I guess I'm also kind of on the Sandy Alomar Jr. bandwagon. Um, I don't have any um, you know, super strong opinions on him, but I, yeah, he absolutely would be an upgrade without without a question. And um, yeah, I'm curious if any other um, man, any managers will be surprisingly um, let go at the end of this season. Um, and maybe. Um, yeah, um, someone could you know top um Alomar's resume, but yeah, there's I, I would that would be a, a manager for sure that you know I, I I'd be excited about if he were to come to the White Sox. Um, and um, yeah, so I think that's what my answer would be. Um, it, as far as if they, yeah, they're probably not going to do a man- managerial search if if you know history repeats itself with this organization, which it probably will. Um, I don't know if they're. Mm, limiting themselves to people who have been within the White Sox organization. Yeah, I, I guess cats would be near the top of my list for that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. As much as I have like, you know, Oh five nostalgia, just no Oh five players, please. That, that would, I think that would be my first, my first um, request. Scotty Potts is coming back. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh- <laughs> I think Scotty Pods finds himself in the broadcast booth before he finds himself in the dugout. I would love a Scotty Pods broadcast. Just push Steve out, and it's just Jason and Scotty Pods all day. Um, I will Scotty say, Pods I, I, dubbed me for an autograph like twice when I was twelve, so I'm going to need an apology first before I say kind words about his broadcasting. That's fair. Um, I will address that. I will. Um, he's on cameo, so I'll just. <laughs> I'll just make him apologize to you via cameo. <laughs> um, I do like the CND idea. That's that's a good one. But if there is a managerial search, it's going to end up in the hands of Jose Abreu as he enters free agency. <laughs> I'm just so negative on this team right now. It's not even funny. Um, so be, before we close this out with you know some some sad stuff. I just want to do a quick roundtable now that we are, you know, edging closer to these playoffs. What is your World Series matchup for the year? Give me the Seattle Mariners versus the New York Mets. I, the Mariners, if if we're not going to get anything, the Mariners deserve all of the best. And I don't know who wins between the two of them because the Mets are really good. But the Mariners, they've got some spunk there. They've got some young, young guys. It's just going to be, I, I don't, the only, the only other team in the AL I might want to see is if like the Orioles could somehow make the playoffs, but they wouldn't make it that far. They wouldn't make it at least to the World Series. Seattle, Seattle's got that potential to be a team that's like made a, made some really good trades at the deadline, has some really good talent there. Just needs to put a just doesn't even need to put the pieces together. Just has to have like they have like big sections of the puzzle that just need to get reattached to each other. And it's like they're they're gonna they're gonna do some big things if if they can hold on to that last wild card spot, which they're you know four games up on on the Orioles for. But I I I want the Mariners, and then there's no one in the the NL that I would want other than the Mets because. I don't like any of those other teams unless like unless the Brewers can make it, but they're like a game back of a wild card. So whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can, I can go next. Um, the, yeah, I, I think that would be a great matchup in terms of, you know, teams I would actually have a rooting interest for. Um, and as far as my um, actual prediction, um, I, I went with Toronto winning the World Series before the season. I will stick with that. I, they will more than likely get in with a wild card spot. Um, I, I, I like their team. I think they they could be set up to make a nice run. So I'll, I'm going to stick with that preseason pick. Um, 
in the preseason, I did have Milwaukee losing to them in the World Series. Um, I will change that pick as, um, as like Jordan said, it, it probably will not make the playoffs. Um, I'll, I'll be boring and pick the Dodgers and their plus 322 <laughs> run differential that they have. Um, I, I'll stick with Toronto winning the World Series. So I'll, I'll go Blue Jays over Dodgers for my prediction. I would yeah, love, just, oh sorry Zach. <laughs> I would love to see the Mariners and the Cardinals. Um I think the I watched the Cardinals play the Dodgers um on Friday night when Poolhouse hit 700 and I think there's they made some really decent moves um to get some starting pitching and I just I would I would love like the ultimate glory for Pulhos and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright as they're like ending their seasons or their, their careers. Like, I just think that's the ultimate way to go out. Um, but also to the point of the Blue Jays, I would love to see some chaos in terms of like vaccination statuses. If, if that were to, <laughs> to be the matchup, because, um, I know like the Mets might have some issues there and things like that. So, um, yeah. I think for the Cardinals there too, Goldschmidt, neither Goldschmidt nor Arenado are, are vaxxed, or at least weren't as of their, their road trip this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. I just went back and looked at our preseason sheet and, um, I had, I had Mets over Blue Jays before the season. So, um, yeah, Dodgers and their plus 400 plus gazillion winning 125 games, 17 years in a row aside. I will, I will stick with the Mets. LGM. I hate that I'm going to say this, but like, there's a difference between what I want to see and what I expect to see. What I would like to see is ultimate chaos ball and give me like the devil magic of the Cardinals versus just like the big money, big budget, like just endless amounts of success Yankees. Like two teams I hate. Well, I don't hate the Yankees as much as I used to, but teams I don't like as much. What I'm expecting now is a team I like the Mets and the Yankees just go to year 2000 again. Maybe even bring out two Pokemon 2000 again. And let's go ultimate, just like New York, New York. No one has to fly anywhere and see who wins it out. I'm going to go Mets. Mine was originally Mets Yankees, but I think, I think it's going to be Mets Astros. And I just need the Mets to come out on top. And I hate to say that the Astros are going to be there at all. But yeah, like Zach said, let's fucking go Mets. Okay. Now, (laughs) what we've all been waiting for, um, our final thoughts on this season that has, you know, a few games left or, you know, just give your White Sox eulogy or both. I don't care. Just let's just air out our grievances a few months early. <laughs> I know we'll have socks of us with our beloved Tommy Barbie, but get it out, guys. This is this is therapy. I just want to know why more was not done when more could have been done. I would love to sit down Rakan and ask, like, why more moves were not made when more moves should have been made. Like, I do not accept the excuse as a fan at the trade deadline. We really tried to get something to happen, but it just didn't pan itself out. Like, then you didn't try hard enough. You obviously didn't expect Lance Lynn to go down in spring training or Garrett Crochet to need Tommy John surgery or Aaron Bummer to be out extended time with a lat injury. But those are key pieces in your pitching staff. And you went out and you got Johnny Cueto to replace Lance Lynn, but you really didn't do anything to bulk up the bullpen. And then you continued to feed us. We have two corner outfielders in Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. And time and time again, you put them out there and they look like fresh fresh fawn like they look absolutely terrible they can't make plays yeah their bats are valuable but like I'm tired of being fed excuses as a fan I know that as a fan and as the public like we're owed nothing in terms of like what is happening behind the scenes but at the same time like my fan experience is what drives like ticket sales and all of those things so like you do also have an obligation to the fans to like get these things done, especially when you're going to say like, we're rebuilding. This is our contention window. 
get it done. Stop making excuses for yourself and just get it fucking done. Cause I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah, it is, um, it is 2.40 in the morning here on the, the western edge of County Mayo in Ireland, where I'm, I'm still up for work, which is why, why I've joined us here. But that, that is, that is the hold that this team, unfortunately, has on me many, many, many generations deep. And while I got, you know, absolutely shredded for, and partially rightfully so, for pulling out the, you know, we pay your salary line to Steve Stone specifically, not the players, to be clear. Uh, but Ali, you kind of do have a point because, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf takes in tens of millions of dollars from the city of Chicago every single year. He keeps every cent of ticket money, concession money, parking money. The money that goes into guaranteed rate field comes from a hotel tax, uh, that should be going to the rest of the city of Chicago. We actually do, I think, have some kind of right uh, to at least be treated with some level of upfrontness, you know, um, it's a black box right now. And all we have is 40 years of Jerry saying, I really want to win or people telling us Jerry really cares about winning. It's, this is for real this time, you know, we're, we're going to try. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it makes you reevaluate your relationship with, with fandom a little bit and, you know, ultimately maybe learning to, <laughs> maybe learning to, to not take these people at their word and, just be able to go to the games and um, sort of appreciate the ups and downs without really tying it to, um, you know, tying it to a grand five to eight to 12 year narrative like we did with this rebuild, which we've kind of been, you know, hanging on most of us since 2015, 2016, 2017. And uh, obviously it's a pretty distressing feeling to see that completely bottom out for reasons that have, you know, basically nothing to do with us as fans or our city or uh the players on the field and that's immensely frustrating so i'm hoping if we can take i mean if i'm taking anything from the season it's you know i don't I, I would like to think i didn't have a particularly toxic relationship to fandom to begin with you know entering this way but uh if there was anything that was really going to sort of drive a wedge and be like all right like you know <laughs> let's let's try to look at this with a little bit more emotional objectivity here uh maybe maybe this is it and maybe that'll be a good thing for the future i don't know um but I'm, I'm, i'll be i'll be disappointed a little less easily in the future because it really was it really was hard to top uh this last six months as predictable as it was after what we were you know fed for four five six years so um yeah just not buying into that cycle not playing playing those games anymore and sort of just trying to take things, take things day to day, game to game, enjoy the game, enjoy the players is maybe uh, just really maybe the way to be if you're going to be a fan of this franchise, you know? <laughs> it's a game of chicken. Um, I'm just sad. I'm just not, I'm not like sad that we like didn't make the playoffs. I'm just sad that like, we're not good. And didn't make the playoffs. It's like you cannot make the playoffs and what? Well, not anymore. Probably you can. You can win the playoffs. Win ninety games and you know make the playoffs. And now you can't. And we're now now it's in, now it's really hard to not. But I'm also like just sad because it's like now we've got like five months before we can all get mad at this team again. <laughs> it's like it's the end of just like. I'm I'm really sappy about this season because I've met most a lot of people just like in person now and it's like oh great this season while great personally uh not great for this team and it's just sad that we can't make fun of them for for a little bit longer even if they you know whatever I don't know that's that's my that's my take it's it's I don't know what this season is. What it maybe maybe 2021 was the fluke and we're just bad and we'll always be bad. I think we've reached the point where like the White Sox, like right now, they kind of remind me of the Phillies of the last few years where like everything's disappointing. Or like the Angels as well. Like you have these players that like in all theory, on paper, if you're playing MLB the show, you'll be winning championships. Like, you have these stacked rosters that do nothing. And the White Sox just feel like the latest in that trend. 
they just feel like a team that underachieved that like underachieved and they didn't even do the overspending part to do the underachieving. I mean, unless you want to say they overspend in their bullpen, which Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman's arms tell me they might have right now. And just in general, the amount of expectations versus reality. Last year, their expectations weren't nearly as high. So when you're doing all this winning and doing having all this success, it's like it feels great. This year, the expectations were you go win the division, you go win a series in the playoffs, you go to wherever you got to go to for the ALCS and compete well enough to give people hope that you can win the World Series in the next three to five years. And instead, they're going to be watching the first through last game of the playoffs at home because consistency wasn't there. The manager is shit. And just in general, the team did not have the vibes needed along with the health. I mean, Luis Roberts' wrist, like, it's practically just cartilage right now. Tim Anderson is just a, like, I love T.A. I'm wearing a T.A. shirt right now. He's still a walking injury, it feels like, sometimes. And, every, like, Andrew Vaughn did pretty good. T.A. was great when he was healthy. Jose Abreu is Jose Abreu. He's just consistently going to give you about the same stats. I'll be at this year with a few less home runs. But in general, everything was disappointing. Everything. Else. Oh, and Dylan Cease, would, it might win a Cy Young. Probably not because Joseph Verlander is Joseph Verlander, but he'll get damn close. Um, I just I, – I, I let my hopes get too high for Rick Hahn. He, he, he has broken my heart. Um, still remember where I was when I learned about the Chris Sale trade. Um that started the rebuild and I was really excited. It was a cold December morning in, in the outskirts of Japan or outskirts of Nagoya in, in um, Japan. Um, I was studying abroad at that time. And due to the time difference, I, um, you know, the trade you know, had happened in the middle of the night. Um, and so I woke up and that was the first thing I saw when, when I checked my phone and I was like, Oh my goodness, he's, they're really going to do this thing. Like it's, Rick Hahn, he, he followed up with his mired in mediocrity comment a, a few months earlier. He, he's really serious about, um, you know, giving this team a, a, a makeover and and going full throttle on this rebuild. You know, I was really excited. Um, and I kind of let myself think, um, you know, th- this, this is the guy. We, we, this is exactly what we need. He has a good vision. He will get this job done for us. They're going to have a nice run of playoff appearances, and they're bound to be successful in at least in at least one of them. And it's going to be super awesome. And um, it, needless to say, it has not played out that way. Um, you know, when when they bottomed out in in 2018, that was when I started having a, a little bit of reservations. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, okay, so this it, best case scenario, they'll be like the Astros. Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, or so I thought, you know, there were the Pirates, you know, in 2013 through 2015, who made the playoffs three times in a row, but then immediately went back to losing. And they their most successful playoff run in those three years was a, a loss in the NLCS. Um, so they, they never made it to the, the World Series. And that was following 20 consecutive losing seasons. Um, which is a crazy streak. Um, so they did all that losing. They finally have three good years, but they didn't make a whole lot of any of those three good years. Um, uh, that, in my view, that was kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum of, of the Astros in terms of like success of a full rebuild. Um, the White Sox have not caught up to the mid-2010s Pirates. Like they've only had two playoff appearances with this core and they don't even have a series victory. They have two playoff victories and that's been it. Like, you know, the pirates also had a 98 win season mixed in there. So like, yeah, they, it's, it's incredible to me. Like I didn't think like coming up short of that pirates rebuild was fathomable at that point. And when the rebuild kicked off, but that is where we find ourselves today. And yeah, um, I, I have respect for Rick Hahn. I don't want to, you know, dance on a grave so to speak when when you know someone loses their job i never want to do that 
But at the same time, I don't really, I wouldn't really feel bad. I mean, he's, he's been here. This will be the conclusion of his 10th season um, as general manager of the White Sox. And, you know, this is generally speaking, a high turnover field. And um, so no one in that position doesn't understand that. Like, and the reality is it's a results-based business. And if you're not getting results, then you have to go. And he probably will get an escape because, you know, there's just too much loyalty in this organization. But to me, you know, despite what I thought at the very beginning of the rebuild, when I had high hopes for him, it's unfortunately time. And I'm completely confident in saying that. Right. Well said, everyone. I echo a lot of people in that sentiment. Um, I am all for just fire sale. Let everybody in the front office walk. Make sure Tony goes and just get get something new in there because clearly it's not working. It hasn't been working for years now. I have no idea why I jumped into this fandom in the first place anymore. It's just pain. That's all I know is pain. Um, but yeah, that about wraps it up for this funeral. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the ride um, until we were all decapitated at the very end when the ride crashed into the water. Um, that was really dark, but that's just how I'm feeling right now. I'm a spooky girl. So, yeah, I'm sure there will be another podcast soon. I don't really know when. I'm so tired of talking about this team, and I think a lot of others are, despite having all of the notes prepared for today and this Anarchy Pirate podcast coming to light. Um, So thank you to my guests. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Dante. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Allie. And thank you, Zach, joining live from Ireland. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Have fun. Enjoy the ride. Bye.